0: afternoon. If you're like me, you came in and you saw that name on the board and you probably thought to yourself, who is that? I don't know that person, which I think my name is misspelled, but that's okay. So um, my name is Asa Phillips. As I said, I'm from Section, which is uh, just outside of Osage City, so about 30 miles southwest of Topeka. Um, I married into the church. I did not grow up in the church, so that's one fun fact about me, but um, I was given the topic that resurrection is greater than death, and I am very honored to be speaking today. So, um, Sam Woody was uh, the one that asked me to do this, so good or bad, it's on him. So, (laughs) Um, The obvious choice for me today would be to speak about the greater than, less than symbol that we've seen so many times now, and we'll probably see throughout the week, but uh, I also wanted to cover some other aspects of that idea that resurrection is greater than death. The definition that I found that I like is, denotes that inequality sign, as inequality, I'm sorry, the greater than less than sign is an inequality of value between two numbers. If I was to write that as a true statement using that sign, I would say that five is greater than three. If I'm relating that to other things beside numerical values, I would say that Vietnamese food is better than Chinese. I would say that the Royals are better than the Cardinals, although don't ask me to show my work on that. I'm not going to show my work. So an inequality of two numbers, but in our case today, between two words, or two events if we can see it that way. And that really is the focus of this lesson is using what we can find in the Scripture to tease out this idea of why resurrection is not only unequal to death, but rather is greater in value. If you could put a price on death and resurrection, what do you think would be more expensive? If Econ 101 taught me anything, it's that supply and demand dictate that if something is in higher demand, which let's assume uh, um, demand, which resurrection is, then that would drive the price up, especially considering at this point it's a pretty scarce occurrence, and scarcity also increases value. Death however is in plentiful supply, and last time I checked there was little demand for it, but save for a few lost people. But I don't mean to be crass or morbid if it comes across that way about death. It's not a very fun topic when you really get down to it. But in respect to death, I would say that I'm in a tiny subset of people when I say that death is something that in some ways I look forward to. And do I want to die? No, not necessarily. But when I've spent time really thinking about it, it does have some appealing aspects. And let me explain this before anyone thinks I have thoughts of prematurely ending my life, because I don't. As a Christian, we're faced with a life in this world, striving to do our best not to be of it. We are faced with temptations daily, tested by the devil and the lust of this world. For each of us, there is that glitter, that glow of something that we desire. But it is not gold. It is a golden ticket to damnation. Still, we desire these things, just as David desired Bathsheba from his balcony. and We can't help ourselves from feeling that way, but we can help ourselves from giving in. God has given us free will. That's freedom to make our own choices. But in reality, there's only two choices in everything that we do, God's will or not God's will. We're free to check either box at our own discretion. The devil is more than capable of deceit, but I often think that his approach is much more subtle, such as in a situation we might find ourselves thinking, I don't have a choice, even though we do. I know it was played out and use more as a gimmick at times, but that phrase, what would Jesus do, that you found on all the bracelets, it really can not help. If we take time to look at our lives and situations through that lens, it'll help us to understand what God's will is, and that will become easier as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's word and Christ's words in the Bible. These battles that we fight daily And the thought of having to continue our race, as Paul described it, sounds exhausting at sometimes. times. The thought that one day that battle would be over, the work would be done, and if we're found faithful, our reward would be the next step, that's a comforting thought to me. In a similar sense to that feeling, Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 23, "'For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful to you." It can be hard to get out of our own heads at times, to take a step back and realize that life truly is temporary. As the author of Ecclesiastes said, it's vanity, or hevel being the Greek word, meaning more akin to a vapor, something that fades quickly. If you're like me, you also have selfish thoughts at times of how important this life is, and you can get caught up in the world and how important that is to you. For those of you who don't know this, I farm and ranch for a living, which is only important at this moment for you to understand that there's several weeks sprinkled throughout the year that I spend a great deal of time driving a tractor, combine, swather, some a piece of equipment. Often 12, 14, 16 hours a day for days, you know, stringed together. But for someone like me, that's a time when I'm able to go deep down the rabbit holes of my mind on topics that many other people I'm guessing don't, (laughs) good or bad. I've thought many times about life and death. This life, as I mentioned, is temporary. And understanding this concept that our time here on Earth in respect to humanity's timeline can be difficult to say the least. We're here for such a short time, less than 100 years for the vast majority of us, and it all becomes a matter of perspective. From down here inside my little head, one year can seem like a super long time, like 2020. But a child waiting to go on summer break, that last week of school can seem like forever. But you speak to an older person, and I'm not going to say any numbers, but for them, you know, 60 to 70 years has flown by in the blink of an eye. And you add to this the mental exercise that one day is a thousand years and vice versa to God, and we realize that our concept of time, even though it is a physical dimension as described by Einstein, it's flawed. Eternity is not just a word, but it's something that we will absolutely experience. It just blows my mind. I don't see how this thing that we call time, this property that governs our entire existence here on earth, will be part of heaven. Forever is not something that we have a frame of reference for. It's like if I told you about a trillion dollars, you know. I'll give you a trillion dollars, and you got to spend it. It's like, what would you buy? (laughs) You immediately start thinking about things you want. Well, What about a big old jet? How about a Falcon X-9? That's a nice plane. That's 60 million. You still have most of your thousand billion left. A billion is a thousand million, and guess what? You started with a thousand billion. You could spend a million dollars a day for almost 3,000 years, which I think it's actually 2,740 when I got the pencil out, but anyone that know what was happening 3,000 years ago, and I'm saying you spend a million dollars a day. Well, um, David had just become king of Israel following Saul. So every day from then till now, you'd have to spend a million dollars. So I'm just saying we don't have a concept of this. But as I said before, a bit ago, I don't want to die. I just see it for what it is. Like Everyone dies. It's part of life. But if death is part of our existence, is resurrection. John 11.25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus is the resurrection. He is not the death. But it is certain that we will die in the physical sense. Most likely. I can't say for 100%. This concept, though, that we're delving into, that resurrection is greater than death, is at its core a comparison of physical occurrences that represent a development in our mindset. We're not only recognizing that these are immutable truths, but we are making a conscious decision to believe them and act accordingly because of this. We're choosing to live our lives according to God's word because we realize that these events are representative of a reality as stated. We go throughout our days Knowing that our life on here, earth here is not the end, but it's the beginning of our existence and that eternity in heaven, which, as I said before, is something I would argue we would fail always to fully grasp the concept of, even though we understand enough to know that that's where we want to be. We know that our physical death is essentially inevitable. And we can see some verses in Revelation that there, which, take the, you know, that there is a second death that is not. Revelation 20 and 6, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. So the second death is one that I perceive to be one of our spirit. If we read the few verses preceding that one, starting in 4, and I saw thrones and, sat on, and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness to Jesus and for the Word of God, who had not worshiped the beast or His image, and, who had, and had not received His mark on their foreheads or in, on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So those who had suffered for Christ throughout history were blessed, are blessed. And they're partakers in the first resurrection, Christ's followers. This makes it possible to infer that there will be a second resurrection. We see a clear distinction between the two in John 5.28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear His voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Revelation 20 and 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. and books. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead that who were in it, death and Hades delivered, and up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, and each according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So in my mind, there cannot be a second death. Unless the person has been resurrected somehow. You can't die and die again. Think of it like this Christ came back from the dead in what I'm going to presume is his spiritual body, much like what we will have. He had his fleshly body that died as ours will, but he was resurrected as he will be in his as we will be in his new body. People were able to recognize him, so it was him but He was different, just as we will be. This new spiritual body is one that will be subject to judgment and either be brought into heaven or cast into the lake of fire. So just as there are multiple deaths, there are multiple resurrections. And just as we have discussed already, the resurrection of each is greater in both scope and implication than each death. This resurrection of life The one that we can determine to be the faithful followers of Christ. We are told in John 14 and 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the life, the only way for us to stave off the second death. And the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and 23. So the the only way to rid ourselves of sin is by way of Christ. I'm going to read a little bit few more verses here, 1 John 1 and 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and the Word is not in us." It's always such a conflicting feeling that I have. I know I sin. I'm human. I know Christ cleanses me of that sin, but I have to be sinless to enter into heaven. What are the chances that I make a mistake or fall short that moment before it happens, without being able to ask for forgiveness, no matter how perfect I want to be, I'm not, I'm not. But with Christ, I'm made perfect. I just worry sometimes that he'll come or my time will end and I won't be where I need to be at that exact moment. I'll be... <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, if he's coming as a thief in the night, I can almost bet it won't be right after we've partaken of the Lord's Supper. It's going to be when i'm stuck at a four-way stop in traffic and i just finished pulling out my hair because i cannot seem to keep my cool when people don't understand what the right-of-way is <laughs> <laughs> that is my bugaboo for sure i would come uncorked at a four-way the point is <clears throat> we have to have boldness and faith as we spoke about that we are in the right not because we've been checking boxes or because we earned it somehow, but bold in knowing that we have faith that we have asked for it and God gives it freely. Like I mentioned at the start, if we had to pay for resurrection, is there a true price on it? If there was a true price on it, I don't think any of us could afford it. Luckily, Christ is our ticket. He died that first death in the most painful way and was buried and resurrected on the third day. In doing so, he took away the power of death. His death alone wasn't enough. He could have just died sinless and gone through all that he did, but it would not have meant the same that it did without the fact that he was resurrected. Many people in history have died in unspeakable ways. Death alone or even self-sacrifice was not enough. I'll state the main idea again, that resurrection is greater than death. It's greater in value. It's greater in significance. It's greater in its necessity. But what does that mean for us? What's the practical application as Christians? The practicality of it is found in understanding fully what lies ahead for us. We may not be able to judge ourselves or others, but we can certainly live our lives in a way that will stack the deck in our favor. Colossians 3 and 3, if if then you were raised with Christ, seek seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you die, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore put your, your, to death your members which are on the earth, fornication and cleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked, when you lived with them, as I said, I'm not perfect. I didn't grow up in the church. I fit right into that. But you but now you verse eight, but now you yourselves are to put on I'm sorry, are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language of your mouth. Do not lie one to another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to him image of him who created him, where there, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. Okay, I know that was a longer section there, but these... It's so hard sometimes to know where to start and stop because it all goes together and it's, you need it all. <laughs> there are these clear guidelines for us. If we believe what's written in this book about our future and we believe that it's true, referring to whether we end up in heaven with Christ or in a lake of fire, then we can believe the writings that I just read to you. Living for God, serving Lord Jesus, living in accordance with God's will. That's the practical things that we can do. Those are the practical things that we can do. I know you can do better, and so can I. We can improve, always. We can grow in Christ. We can shine brighter. The beginning of that section I read now, verse 3, if you then were raised with Christ, that part's crucial, meaning if you have not, taken, if you have not been buried in baptism and raised in newness of Spirit, that's one of the first steps you need to take. The world isn't going to get any better as a whole. It is what it is. And God's gift of free will to humanity makes no sense to me, but it doesn't have to. And me spending too much time thinking about it gives me uh, thoughts of when God gave Job a little bit of a tongue lashing in chapter 38. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, Or or stretched the line upon it. I just, I can, I can almost hear him saying that, you know, like, who are you? Like, who is this guy? This is how I imagine him speaking to me, though, when I ask those questions like that. And remember, I was serious when I said, I'll I'll do, you know, 12, 14, 16, 18 hours a day. Not always, but, you know, for a week straight. But I'll be essentially alone, other than phone calls and texts to my wife, pretty much. So it's like my outside line. And if it doesn't come out in this speech, like I don't get out a lot. so <laughs> and It's probably why you don't know me. So, and I am already a pretty cerebral person in, in a lot of aspects, but this gives me plenty of time to sort through a lot of these thoughts that I have. It also gives me plenty of time to assess myself, to look inward and find those shortcomings, find ways that I can improve as a Christian, a father, a husband, a servant, etc., if you have ever heard me talk before which is maybe possible um, I lean in pretty hard on this idea of self-assessment and introspection and trying to ride our own ship before looking on to others but like I said we can all do better and I truly believe that and now is the chance now is when you have a chance to decide if you want to take your eternity seriously are you finding those areas in your life that you're coming up short have you buried the former self in baptism with Christ so that you can be raised with him and be forgiven of your sins not have them rolled back not atoned for but wiped clean gone this sense of urgency that I feel for those of you who haven't Or won't or don't I hope they can feel that and I say this from the bottom of my heart that I want to see you all in heaven I want to be there and I want you there too and I hope you want to be there as well so as I close out my idea that resurrection is greater than death think to yourself which one of these are you seeking to attain do you wish to suffer suffer that second death because inaction will ensure that you do so act If you feel the need when the invitation is extended, come forward, find out what is stopping you and holds you back, and think about why you need this. There are plenty of who's and what's in our life, but we have to get to the heart of why. Christ died for us, and the only thing left for us is to accept the invitation. The hard work's already been done. When we ignore this, we make Christ's death and God's sacrifice of his son in vain. I don't want that for anyone, and I hope you don't either. So thank you for allowing me to speak to you today. And um, I guess we will have a song. Thank you.